0: Are still going through the 10 steps of revival, and I believe today we are on step six. We've crossed the halfway point. Last week we met in the locker room. We took a break from the series, and coach/slash pastor Jim Lewis delivered an incredible message to us last Sunday that we were so appreciative of. Can we thank God for the message that God gave us through our pastor Jim? Ta-da! Right? Woke up today righteous. Woke up today blameless. Woke up today holy because of what Jesus has done for us. It's not something that we earn. It's a gift that we receive, and we keep it and walk in it by faith. So, we have been in this series for quite a while, and God is teaching us the steps to personal revival. Can you say personal revival? personal revival, not church revival, not they need a revival or a citywide revival. I'm talking about a revival in your own life, a revival in your own heart. Are you living the life in which Jesus Christ died to give you, or are there some things that need to be revived? There are 10 steps or 10 keys to being revived, and you don't have to go through all 10. God can meet you with just one. But we see that in the life of Mephibosheth, he went through 10 steps until he was fully revived. Number one was the source of love. He was reconnected to the source of love, goodness, kindness, power. uh, And that was through the legacy of the relationship that his father Jonathan had with David. The second step, there was a covenant a promised commitment to the well-being of another. So the reason that Mephibosheth could be revived was because there was a covenant out there that was still active. David and Jonathan were best friends, okay? Uh, like, they loved each other's souls and they made promises and commitments to each other to always care for one another. So King David came to town and asked, is there anyone left of the household of Jonathan that I might show kindness to? And they said, yes his grandson Mephibosheth lives in Lodabar. So the covenant was still out there. So that's why revival was uh, made available. Number three, there was a separation that happens in our lives, whether that be real or perceived from the abundance of life caused by the thief, Satan. So, Mephibosheth needed a revival because when he was five years old, his grandfather and his father were murdered, and the nurse tried to run with the baby and escape, but dropped him on the way and crippled him in both feet. So not only was he mur- his, his family murdered, now he was crippled in both feet for the rest of his life, and he lived in Lodabar now, a place with no word, a place with no hope. Step four, a reunion happens between the victim and the victor. So King David came to town. So there's a reunion between royalty and Mephibosheth. And the reason that we are able to have revival in our own lives is because there was a reunion between the victim and the victor. The reason we need revival is because the devil has been busy. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. So we must come to the point where we say, you know what? Enough is enough. I am done being tormented by the enemy. I've got a covenant out there with God, and I'm going to have a reunion with Jesus, all right? The victim and the victor. Number five a surrender and reverence to the reviver. So we surrender our lives to him, even in all of our brokenness. God knows that we mess up. God knows that we've committed sins. God knows that we've strayed from him, but we still bring ourselves to him, crippled feet and all, and say, Lord, here I am. I've really messed up this time, but I need your help, Lord. Will you help me? So we surrender and we reverence the the uh, give reverence to the reviver, and then finally Finally, step six is where we are today. And that I'm sorry, we're actually in in seven. Six was a new covenant of revival and restoration. And seven is today, it is a humble response to the offer of revival and restoration. Can you say a humble response? So, we're coming face to face with Jesus. We're getting to the point where we know that we need Him, where we've done an honest evaluation of our life to say that I am not living to the standard in which I know Jesus wants me to. So, now I'm going to humble myself to Him. I don't have it all together. I am busted and disgusted. There's some things that I've been going through that I just can't shake. Can we we not be religious for a minute and just be real? All right? things in my life that are going on that I don't like, and they're not up to the standard of the king. So I'm going to bring these things to Jesus, and I'm going to repent and say, Lord, I have not been living up to the royal standard in which you died to give me, and I am willing to say, Lord, I repent and I am sorry, and now I am going to humble myself. Because listen, listen, when you're living in sin or below the standard, you typically hide. You hide from God. He sees you. We're so foolish. He sees us. But we think we're hiding from God. We think he doesn't see our anger, our lust, our bitterness, our unforgiveness. He sees it all. But what we have done now is we've got to the point where we know who he is. He is the reviver. He is the author of life. He is the lover of our souls. And now we're going to humble ourselves to him. Remember, step six in revival is a humble response to the offer of revival and restoration. So when Jesus invites us into his presence, our response must be fit for a king. Let me make sure I'm in the right place. If you believe in Jesus Christ, can you raise your hand just quickly? Just make sure I'm not at the wrong place. Okay, good. All right, let's keep going because that would have been a hard message to preach. When Jesus invites us into his presence, our response must be fit for a king. He comes offering his own salvation, purchased with his own blood. He comes offering his own righteousness after paying for our sins on a cross. How should we approach this king? We have nothing to offer him in return for the gift of eternal life he gives. So this part of the series... This message is all about posture, all about humbling yourself to God because you need him desperately. Every single one of us needs God desperately. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ himself. So we must be willing to humble ourselves to the king. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We are using the life of Mephibosheth to show us how we must all go through our own personal revival. 2nd Samuel chapter 9 verse verse 6 okay says this Now when Mephibosheth the son of Jonathan the son of Saul had come to David he fell on his face and prostrated himself Then David said Mephibosheth and he answered Here is your servant his life was about to totally change in just a few moments. He was living in Lodabar. He was living in a place of darkness, a place of destitute, a place where there is no hope. But yet the king had called for him. That'll preach by itself. The king called for him. You were all living in sin. Me too. Out at the bar, out, out chasing women, out lying, out uh, uh, just cursing, just living in sin, okay? That was me and my own loader bar. And don't look at me like that because you got a loader bar too that you came from, all right? But the king called us by name. So we were living in sin, we were headed to hell, we were having fun. We didn't even know how close to the edge we were, but yet the king calls us by name. And so David comes to town and says, is there anyone left? They said, yes, Mephibosheth. And he says, bring him to me. So while you were living in sin, God was so gracious towards you that he called you by. Maybe it's been too long since some of y'all got saved. (laughs) You were living in sin. And if you had died there, you would have been lost forever. But the king called you by name. He called you out of darkness. Thank you. Somebody got it. Somebody got it. He called you out of darkness. We would have still been there because we were enjoying the pleasure of sin. We weren't thinking about Jesus at the bar. We weren't thinking about Jesus while we were in sin, but yet we heard a voice. God called us out of sin by name. And how did we respond? Well, to be honest, some of us kept doing what we were doing. And we only talked to him again when we were uh, at two o'clock in the morning, uh, bending over a toilet, throwing up and saying, God, if you take this feeling away from me, I'll never do it again. But yet, the next Friday, there we were in Lodabar again. And the problem is this. We can be saved, but still visit Lodabar sometimes. There's still some activity in some of our lives that doesn't belong there. That's the old life. But when are we going to rip up the map to Lodabar when are we going to stop visiting the sins of the past? When are we going to be satisfied with the king? So Mephibosheth fell down to the king and he prostrated himself as well. So let's look at the posture of Mephibosheth. All right. So What we have to ask ourselves, those of us that desire revival, that is life in Christ now and forever to the fullest, who do you think you are and how do you present yourself? So Mephibosheth was the son of a prince and the grandson of a king. So imagine if he had tried to come in the wrong posture Imagine if he would come up to David and say, okay, you're a king, but so was my my grandfather was a king. And my son was a prince. So what's up, dude? What's going on, dude? Is that how he came? No. He humbled himself. When you approach a king, you humble yourself. As you approach Jesus Christ in prayer, the the giver of life, we humble ourselves. Mephibosheth made himself of no reputation, and he didn't consider himself to be all of that. Mephibosheth knew where he had just been called from, from Lodabar, from a low-down place, okay? So listen, Christians, if you are living down here and the Lord wants you up here when you get into his presence and i pray that you're getting in his presence i pray that this sunday morning and next sunday morning are the only time scheduled on the calendar where you'll get in his presence when you're living down here and the Lord allows you to be in his presence You have to say, okay, Lord, I am down here. I humble myself to you, but Lord, I desire to come up to where you are because that's where we should be. Because the Bible says that he has seated us with him in heavenly places. The Bible says that the spirit of the Lord God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, also lives inside of me. So there's some equality going on here, all right? Jesus Christ has died to give us his righteousness on an equal level, all right? We are co-heirs with Christ. So if we are living in a place of sin, Well, I'm a Christian, but I still do this, and I still do that, and I still do this. We've got to say, you know what? Lord, I need some help, and I humble myself to you, God. I'm not all of that, and some of us walk around like we're all that. We're Christians, and we think that we're just all that. To all that to repent. To all that to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I fall short in this area. To all that to say, God, I've got a problem with a few individuals in my life, but you know what? I'm just not going to deal with them. Oh, Lord, I love you. I thought that was terrible singing, all right? (laughs) However, that's a terrible attitude as well. We've got to get things right with Jesus, all right? He's coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. I don't want it to be up to my righteousness to get into heaven. I want to have the righteousness of God that was given to me through Jesus Christ. And I pray that that's what you're aiming for as well. More and more, my desire is just to be like Jesus Christ, because that's what a Christian is. A Christian is a person in which the spirit of the Lord lives inside. And all of their their motions and all of their thoughts, they come from Jesus Christ himself. We live by the spirit of God. Our problem is that sometimes we're carnal and sometimes we're spiritual. So we're these half breeds. We're half holy and half hood. That's the only thing I can think of. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'll bless the Lord with my mouth sometimes. But I'll also tell you off. I'll also do this or I'll also do that. And God is not looking for hybrids. He's looking for holiness. Because he gave it to us. We don't produce holiness. Hallelujah. It's a gift that he's given to us. So all that we have to do is just live by faith. And surrender ourselves and be humble and say, Lord, my life is yours now. You saved me, God, and now I desire that you live in me and ha- that I have all my, my living in you as well. So he made himself of no reputation. And here's what we have to remember, because I'm trying to see all of us in heaven. Anybody, anybody heaven bound in here? All right. We're heaven bound, Right. We got to keep that in perspective every single day. Never let a day go by where you say, you know what? I'm headed to heaven. I am headed to heaven. Not that we have a death wish or that we plan on leaving here today, but you don't know if you will. And you don't know if the king is coming back today. So we've got to keep a heavenly perspective. We've got to keep our minds spiritual. We've got to be ready to go. Do people die every day? Every day, people die. Every single day, they die. And for the most part, most of them didn't know that was going to be the day. So I think we should be ready to go, right? We shouldn't have, hallelujah, we should not have holiness on hold. We should not say, I'll repent of that tomorrow or I'll break up with my girl. I'm married, but I'll break up with my girlfriend after Christmas. You don't put holiness on hold. You get it right now. You humble yourself now. You say, Lord, save me now. Lord, I repent now, all right? Because listen, the way that you see yourself is how you approach God. The way you see yourself it's how you approach God. So if we see God as he truly is, our response will be in the way that we approach him and the attitude that we have. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. And it says this. Someone came to Jesus with this question. So here we see a man approaching Jesus. And remember what I said, that. The way that you see yourself is how you will approach God. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Did you catch it? What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. Testify falsely. Honor your mother and father. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he breaks in with, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied what else must I do? Remember, the way you see God is the way that you will approach him. And as we see in this story that this young man thought very highly of himself. He's saying, what must I do to have eternal life? And we know it's not what we do, but what Jesus has already done for us, right? Right? That's what gives us eternal life. Verse 21, Jesus told him. Because Jesus knows our address. Jesus knows the true intentions of our heart. That's why repentance is just so important. Because you can't hide anything from God. So you might as well just repent of it all. Because he can read your mail. He knows it all. So this man approaches God, okay, like he's got it all together uh, and appears to because he's kept all the commandments since he was a child. Seems that he's had it all together. But Jesus says this, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, and here's the true way of salvation, come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad. Wait a minute. I thought he wanted eternal life. And now Jesus told him how, and now he's sad. Why is that? For he had many possessions. When you approach God and you see yourself too highly, you will resist him. He will tell you what you need to do. But we will say, no, this is what made me. This is what made me who I am. He was proud of himself, proud of his accomplishments. We must keep pride far away from us because it can rob us of eternal life. Pride will cause you not to repent. Pride causes spouses not to say, I'm sorry. Pride causes parents sometimes to say, not to say they're sorry if they, if they wrong a child in some kind of way. Pride will separate you from the goodness of God because pride is resisted by God himself. So let's look at what Mephibosheth did. In order to need revival and restoration, there must have been a trauma or maybe you've tripped off the righteous path. So why are we in need of revival? What happened? If we're not living to the full standard that Jesus Christ wants us to, if we're not experiencing the fullness of life, the fullness of joy, what happened? Was there some kind of trauma? Did we trip off the road or the path of righteousness? Mephibosheth's life took a terrible turn when he was five years old. Remember I told you news came to the palace that his father and grandfather had been murdered and the child's nurse ran away and she dropped him and he became crippled in both feet. Now it is assumed that Mephibosheth is 21 years old as he's having this encounter with David. So think about that, being crippled in both feet for the span of 16 years or more. How many times do you think Mephibosheth may have fell in 16 years? Now, if you were crippled in just one foot, but you still had a strong one, you could at least drag this foot, okay? But Mephibosheth was crippled in both feet. Imagine the many times that he fell over his lifespan. It happened when he was five. So imagine the other kids out playing and wanting to run around and Mephibosheth takes off and wants to run and falls. Imagine being 13 years old and the, the boys are, you know, going to going fishing or going to the pond or doing whatever and you, you can't keep up with them but you're doing your best to not let your handicap slow you down and there he is, Mephibosheth falls. Imagine being at a wedding, all right, when you're 18, 19 years old and A young lady finally notices Mephibosheth and asks if he wants to dance at the wedding. And during the dance, he falls. How many times do you think Mephibosheth fell over that course of 16 years? I'm sure that he fell multiple times. But this fall was going to change everything. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, he didn't trip. He fell down. He lowered himself to David, and he prostrated himself as well. So, what does that say to David? What does Mephibosheth laying down before him? What does that say to him? It says this: I recognize your position. I submit to your authority over me. I physically lower myself to display my inner humility. I am not your equal. I will not resist you. I will not defend myself. I will not speak until spoken to. I will not move until instructed. David, I'm sorry, Mephibosheth fell at the Lord's, at his Lord's, So those of us in this room, which I believe it to be all of us because we're all going from glory to glory to glory. All right. We've all done some falling along the way. Okay. All right. I don't see anybody really jiving with this. All right. Uh, if you sinned over the last seven days, can you raise your hand please? We all fall, don't we? We fall. Okay. But our desire is not to keep falling. Our desire is not to keep tripping. So how do we get to that point where we can be revived in that area that keeps making us fall? If you've got a pride problem, if you've got a lust problem, if you've got an anger problem, what is that thing in you that needs to be revived and touched by the master so you don't fall again in that area? the way to stop falling into the same sin over and over and over again is before you ever fall, fall. Before you ever fall into the sin, fall at his feet. I promise you it will work every time. When the desire for sin begins to rise up in you and that flesh is coming alive and if, and you know that if you begin to take steps when your flesh is activated, it's only a matter of time before you fall. But if you will fall before you fall, if you will fall in that moment to the feet of the, of the king and say, Lord, I don't want to do this sin anymore. Lord, I don't want to be like this anymore. Lord, I give you my full I give you the fullness of who I am. Will you help me? And in that moment, the same thing that that King David saw, Jesus will see in us. So when you fall, all right? When you posture your heart into a humble position to God, this is what he sees you saying. Lord, basically, I recognize your position. Lord, I submit to your authority over me. I physically lower myself to display my inner humility because, listen, God resists the proud because the proud says this, I got it. I can do it. I can do it. It's fine. I've got the willpower, but we know willpower doesn't work. When we humble ourselves to God, we are able to say, Lord, I am not your equal. And that's a big one. Because if we're falling into sin and we need revival in some areas, that lets us know that we are not God. We are in need of God. I can't conquer sin. Sin has been conquered for me. So I must allow my existence to be tied to his goodness and his righteousness What he sees us saying when we humble ourselves to him is that I will not resist you anymore, God. I'm going to allow your love to be poured out on me, and I'm going to love you back. I am going to receive your help. It says, I will not defend myself. That's another big one. Because when we are engaged in sin, which is falling short of the full life that God wants us to live, sometimes we defend ourselves. What's that sound like? It sounds like the excuses we use to permit our sin. Well, God, I know you want me to go talk to her and give her a hug and love on her, but she did something to me. And I'm not quite ready for that yet. Oh, Lord, you know, I know, I know I probably shouldn't watch this movie because... uh, I used to have a terrible mouth, and every time I hear cursing, it just starts to bubble up in me again. But God, I think I got it this time. I think I can can be around it. I think I can do it. Nope. That's what it sounds like to try to defend yourself. You put yourself out there on the line instead of putting him before you. I will not speak until spoken to. Sometimes we just got to shut up in God's presence. Sometimes praying is not saying anything at all. Sometimes praying, prayer is just a posture to say, Lord, I just fully submit myself to you and to your will. That's probably one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray. Lord, not my will, but let thine will be done. Amen? Amen. And then I will not move until instructed. So after, after Mephibosheth threw himself at the feet of David and prostrated himself in front of him. Then the king called him by name. So if Mephibosheth would have come in there arrogant, you know, and said, you know what? I, I know you're a king, but I'm from royalty too. You know, if, if he had come in and said, you know what? My land has been stolen. The, the land of Saul and Jonathan is rightfully mine. It it belongs to me legally. It's rightfully mine. David could have said, get him out of here. Get him out of here. He doesn't understand protocol. He doesn't understand that he needs to humble himself to me, that I only have the authority to do that. And, and, And brothers and sisters, I think sometimes our prayers might sound like that. Just because you have great faith, and God expects us to have faith when we approach him, doesn't mean that we don't follow protocol either. Doesn't mean that we don't humble ourselves to God and say, God, here's what, I, here's what I'm sensing, here's what I'm seeing, but still I turn it over to you. So just imagine then a king saying your name. The, David said, Mephibosheth. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 43. Here's what it sounds like for the Lord to call you by name. And if the Lord's going to call you, he has intentions. And his intentions for us are good. They are not to harm us, okay? Revival. We desire revival. We desire to be full participants of the life in which Jesus Christ died to give us. We want it all. And here we say that after, see that after humbling himself to the king, the king called him by name. But listen to Isaiah chapter 43. Listen to this. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Say this with me I will not be afraid. Because he has has redeemed me. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. He loves us. He loves us. Father, I pray that in this moment, We will be captured by your love. Remind us that one of the greatest things that brings revival is us remembering that you love us. And all the things that you did to save us and to preserve us and to bless us. So, Lord, help us to cast pride aside and remember how loved we are. You came, David came to bless Mephibosheth because of the love he had for Jonathan. It really had nothing to do with Mephibosheth. This revival of Mephibosheth's life really had nothing to do with him and everything to do with the covenant that he made with his father. So my prayer for these people that are sitting here today, God, is for us to realize that the goodness of God has nothing to do with us. It's because he so loved us that Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins. So we didn't do something so spectacular in which God said, I must send my son to die for them. And even when Jesus came here, he didn't find people that were so accepting of him that he said, you know what? I must die for them because they received me for who I am. What Jesus found was that he was rejected by the ones he came to save. And from the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So Jesus did not find acceptance when he came. He was rejected. But Lord, we're so thankful that the stone that was rejected became the cornerstone in which all of our hope and faith has been founded. So Father, as we hear about this crucial step of revival, I pray that we would all humble ourselves. Because what comes after the humbling is exaltation. And Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, there's a question we must ask ourselves as it relates to the current condition of our lives. Are we in need of revival because we've separated ourselves from the life of God? Or, and this is a big one, Or are we being rejected or resisted? So to be out of the goodness of God and all that he has for us, what I'm seeing is two things. Number one, I can be in need of revival because I have walked away from the goodness of God. I have fallen back into old ways. I have fallen into sin. I am unrepentant. It's something of my own doing. Or... I can be in need of revival of the relationship that I have with God because I have been rejected. I have been resisted by God himself. God has put me out at a distance because there's something that I have done and something. No, not, not even something that I have done, but something I refuse to do. You can be resisted by God. Your blessings can be on hold. His favor can be on hold. His mercy can be on hold because not something that you've done, but something that you refuse to do because we all fall short, but do you repent? Are you willing to humble yourself and say, Lord, I have not been living my life in a way that pleases you. And I believe that the revival that I need is not because I have disconnected myself and strayed, but I have stayed. I have stayed in a state in which I have refused to say, God, I am sorry. Lord, I repent. And Lord, would you restore me? Well, you say, well, does God really Ever reject people, does he ever resist people let 's take a look Second kings chapter seventeen verse fifteen, and they rejected his statues and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he had testified against him. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they that they should not do like them. so what happened here and 2 Kings is what we're told in the New Testament to not do. In the New Testament, we're told not to conform to the patterns of this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we would know the good and acceptable will of the Lord. If we are becoming more like the world, then what we're, what's, what's happening is this. The world is going to be rejected. The world is going to be resisted. And if we become more and more like the resisted ones, then we will find ourselves being rejected as well. 2 Kings 17.20 says this. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. Hosea 4.6 being priest for me, because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. I know it's getting stuffy in here, but I can't just tell you all the good stuff. I got to tell you the truth, too, that, it might, that, that, that your reason that you might not be experiencing the revival in your life, you might not be having the blessings and the favor of God in your life, might be because he's resisting you. And the reason that he will resist us is because we're proud. And we've become more and more like the world and we won't humble ourselves to be the child of God that he's calling us to be. So we need to determine, God, where am I in this need of revival? James 4 and 6 says this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Can you put your heart, your hand on your heart for a moment? We're going to pray something. Father, I pray for each heart right now in the name of Jesus, including my own. Would you look inside these hearts? And if you find any pride, would you begin to remove it now? If you find rebellion, would you begin to remove it now? For your word says that rebellion is as witchcraft. We don't want to rebel against the living God. We want to be on the right side of God's wrath. We want to be safely placed out of the way of the destruction that's going to come to this world. So may we separate ourselves unto God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we will never be too proud to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I repent. Father, forgive me of all of my sins and trespasses. And would you please create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit in me. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Our final passage. Is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Not only did Mephibosheth, who was only a man, humble himself, but we see an example in the Word of God where Jesus Christ himself humbled himself. The step of revival that we are, are on right now is learning how to humble ourselves because. In humbling ourselves, we let go of what's killing us. Please catch this. If you ignored the entirety of the message, I pray that you catch this part right here. When we humble ourselves to God, we let go of what's killing us. We let go of sin. We let go of the things that we haven't repented of. We let go of addictions. We let go of carnality. We let go of ourselves. That's the key right there. When you humble yourself to God, you let go of yourself. Because the Bible says those that seek to save their lives will lose them. But those who lose them for my sake will find them. When we humble ourselves, we let go. And I have to let go of myself because apart from Christ, I am a wicked and evil man. Apart from Christ, I have no righteousness. Apart from Christ, I am extremely carnal and all of my ways lead to death. So the the worst place for my soul to be is in my own hands. And the worst place for your soul to be is in your own hands. Don't you dare have a hold of your soul and call it holy. Don't have a hold of your soul and call it righteous. Only those souls that belong to God have been made holy and righteous. And that is why we must humble ourselves to God. If Jesus humbled himself, who are we not to? Uh, Kimberly, you can come up. We're finishing right now. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Say this with me. It feels good, and it's the truth. I I belong belong to Christ. Christ. Woo, that was good. We're going to say it again because that's powerful. I I belong belong to Christ. May every demon in hell be served notice. May the fear that tries to live inside us be served notice that we belong to Christ, all right? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And we just saw that verse happen in real time. Weren't we encouraged as we said that we belong to Christ? So the answer is yes, right? Say yes. Yes. I'm going to read this verse and I want you to shout yes after I say it. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? That was weak. We're going to do it again. Actually, I got about four questions. And when I point at you, I want you to give some big yeses, okay? Okay. Here we go. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yes. Any comfort from his love? Yes. Any fellowship together in the spirit? Yes. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Yes. So since the answer is yes, listen to the instructions from the word of God. Then... Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Say this with me I I must have the same attitude. That Christ Jesus had. had. If you want revival, if you want the best from God, now and forever, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Attitude precedes revival. You've got to have an attitude that you belong to Christ. You've got to have an attitude that although I fall short, God, I humble myself before you because you're the only one that can forgive me of my sins. You're the only one that can make things right. We must have the attitude of Christ. And here was his attitude. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, church, can you say instead? Instead, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Shout therefore. therefore. That wasn't a shout. Shout therefore. therefore. So because he did all that, hallelujah, I told you that in order to experience revival, there has to be an attitude first. An attitude that I don't have it all together. Especially if God came to this earth and said, you know what? I'm not even going to cling to my godliness. I'm going to become a man just like them. And I'm going to die on a cross just like they do. And I'm going to take on all their sin, even though I haven't committed one, just because I love them. I'm going to obey the Father. He humbled himself. Can you say therefore again? Therefore. Because he humbled himself. Because Mephibosheth humbled himself, because you are willing to humble yourself, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. How many? in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare how many every Every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord can you say that Jesus Christ is Lord stand to your feet and say it again Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the father God, we took a long way to get here, but we're here. And you have shown us that the way high is low. And since we're already down on the ground because both of our feet are crippled, since we keep falling anyway, since we are prostrate before the problem, because we keep tripping over the issues, since we're already on the ground, we're going to take our eyes off what caused us to fall and put our eyes on the one who can lift us up again. And his name is Jesus. He's been given a name above every name. He's been given the highest amount Of glory that any can have. More glory than all the angels combined. More glory than the prophets. More glory than the saints. More glory than the martyrs. More glory than all before him. Jesus. And this is why we humble ourselves. Because he is the highest. Lord, I pray that today something would change in our, in our hearts and in our minds. Because if there's going to be a revival, we need a new attitude. Mephibosheth came before King David's presence in the right attitude. He threw himself at his feet. And the king said, Mephibosheth? And Mephibosheth responded, it is I, your servant. So, Father, we are not your equals. Father, we resist being proud. We resist being high-minded. We resist being rebellious. We resist being sinful. We resist being full of the love of this world. We resist being lovers of money. We resist being lovers of pleasure. We resist being led and motivated by our flesh and our desire. O King, is to just be a servant. To be happy with that in which you have entrusted us with to be happy with you. You're enough, God. You've always been enough. As we look back over our lives, God, there's been many hills and valleys, a lot of inconsistencies in our lives, bank accounts fluctuate, friends change, family members die, jobs close. Lots of changes in our life if we're to look back, but there's one constant that we can always see. And Lord, you've been good to us. You have never left us, and you have never forsaken us. Many, we have seen the backs of many people. They showed us their back, God, but not you. You have never left our side. And because of that, God, we recognize that we are in need of a revival. Restoration of our relationship with the king. We humble ourselves to you, O king. And we desire... That after you pour out your love on us, that we pour out our love on you. Who would have thought, never in human history has there ever been a king that was willing to die for his subjects. Never. A king always shows up with a robe on and a crown. A king always is dressed appropriately in public, but not our king. They stripped him and they put on a crown of thorns and they nailed him to a cross. How shameful that was for a king to have to die like a thief. But yet he did. That was the greatest act of humbleness in the history of all time. He allowed them to nail him. I don't think you're catching it. He allowed them. He said, If I wanted to escape this moment, I could ask my father for legions of angels and they would deliver me. But to humble yourself is to be willing to give it all up for the sake of another. And the one that we're giving it up to this morning is Jesus. Father, in the beginning, I asked them to say a prayer in which they said, Jesus, I am so sorry. But now we're going to say another prayer. I'm going to start the prayer and you're going to finish it. Here we go. Jesus, I am so thankful and you fill in the rest. Just remember this. You can't thank somebody for something that's not yours. So everything you just thanked him for is yours. Because he did it for you. Think about how thankful Mephibosheth was after this encounter with King David. He gave him back all the land. He gave him servants. He said, from now on, you're going to sit at my table. You're going to eat with me. You're going to be with me. Your children will be with me. How thankful was he in that moment? So I pray that something has happened here to you today, that the Holy Spirit has taken you from a place of repentance to thankfulness. And if you'll notice, the shape I'm making right now is like the shape of a rainbow. You start down here. You humble yourself. And then as you begin to think about all of his promises, it takes you higher and higher and higher. But you don't keep that attitude. Yes, you've been moved to a higher place and a better position in God. But you live humbly. So Lord, we just humble ourselves to you and we thank you for what you did in this place today. Our sins have been forgiven and we have resisted pride so that we might be exalted in due time by you. And for this, we're grateful in Jesus' name. Amen.